If you would, turn your Bibles to Ecclesiastes. I knew I'd get some looks. We're going to take a sabbatical from 1 Samuel. And we're going to do something with Ecclesiastes tonight. It's been on up my heart, and I want, to, I want to talk to you about it just a minute. One of the things that I encounter all the time is dealing with people who are just confused. They want to know that their lives stand for something. They want to know that they have a purpose. Their lives have meaning in this world. And so many times we, we feel so empty inside that people run after a lot of stuff in this world to fill it. Now, I want you to understand from the very beginning, God takes part responsibility in this. This search for meaning. I want you to look in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, starting with verse 11. He, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. They can't understand everything, but they know something is there. There's a hole in your heart. And we can only fill it with the thing that it was created to fill it with. Don't ask me to say that again. I don't even think it's proper English. There is an eternity void in our heart. There is an eternity hole in our heart. And I think it was there because God wanted us to reach out to Him. Sadly, people take their eyes off of the one who can fill it with eternity stuff, and we look for the world to fill something, and we chase after this, we chase after this, we chase after this, and we are continually found lacking. There is an emptiness there. I cannot tell you how many kids today How many adults today? How many people who are on their last weeks today that are in that same boat? Side note, just a moment, and then we're going to get back to the lesson. If you in any way demean or... or, or, water down the eternal purpose of God that you have within your grasp as a Christian, think about what that does to the people with whom you encounter. 
Never, never take what you are privileged to be a part of for granted. We are on and in a, a, an eternal purposed setting that God has created, that God has put into motion. And we're a part of that. And we have something that everybody needs. And it has nothing to do with we came up with it. It's simply things that, you know, it's like Second Corinthians thing. We are simply vessels that are holding that eternal purpose in us. And people can see that. And as we interact with other people, we, we, we try to shine that light that God shares with us. We are looking for something. And there's a reason we're looking for something. God put it there. But the sad part about it is, so many times we chase after man-made temporal substitutes. The eternal void can only be filled with the eternal. With wholeness. And it makes us whole. I want to look at three things tonight. And this is just very brief. Three things that people run to to fill that void. Three man-made things. Number one is education. Ouch. (laughs) That's my stock in trade. I'm an educator. I teach people. I teach people, and I'm not even going to tell you what all I teach because you start yawning. But I teach a lot of stuff, and I I teach people, and and they get degrees, and they get this, and they get that. Uh, Verse uh, chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 12. I, the teacher, chapter 1, verse 12. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. Verse 13. I devoted myself to education, to study to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. What a burden, heavy burden God has laid on men. I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. What is twisted cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I thought to myself, look, I've grown and increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to understanding of wisdom and also to madness and folly. But I learned that this too is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. With much knowledge comes much grief. What is he doing? He's saying, I want you to understand. I have gone to the max. I have gone to the max on worldly substitutes to fill this void in my heart. I don't want you to think, yeah, I read a book. I even marked it. That's not what he's saying. He said, I've plunged myself into education to see if that will put wholeness back into my life. And he said, you know what I found? It's just meaningless. Now, don't get me wrong. 
He is not saying education in and of itself is meaningless. He's saying an education for the end of filling my life, of bringing purpose to my life. There are so many people today who sit there and say, well, all we need is is to educate people and and then they'll, they'll be okay. Are you kidding me? Do you know how much stuff is out there on the internet to educate people? If education was the true answer to the world's problems, we wouldn't have any problems. It is not the true thing. Just think about it. Just think about it. 1 Corinthians 1, and just write these down. I'm going to go through these quickly. 1 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Who is the wise man? Who is the scholar? Who is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For the foolishness of God is wiser than men's wisdom. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. You you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to set this up and he's going to say, Okay, scholar comes to heaven. You know, we we got those old, you know, St. Peter... Uh, stories, you know. Scholar comes to heaven, meets St. Peter, said, what do I need to do to get into heaven? I have a BS. I have an MA. I have a MBA. I have an MD. I have a JD. I've got a law degree. I've got an EDD and a PhD. And Peter turns around gently but firmly and says, Sit down, young man, let me teach you the rest of your ABCs. It's not about, it's not about the degrees. Okay? I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people with degrees. And I got to tell you something. A degree that is is cut from the moorings of God can be easily misused easily misused, causing pride in a person, causing people to be put down because of their lack of education. i got to tell you something. I grew up in northeast Arkansas, and there's some, there's some farmers up there who are smarter than anybody I've seen up in Washington, D.C. I don't mean that to be funny. I'm to be, to being truthful. These people got common sense. Don't talk to me about all the degrees. I can tell you about degrees. Paul could tell you about degrees. Degrees ain't where it's at. And I meant to say ain't for a particular reason. So there you go. Over in chapter 12, verse 12, he's going to say, Of making many books there is no end. Of much study wearies the body. I can attest to that. I can attest to that. Someone once said, I love this quote. I have studied now philosophy and jurisprudence, medicine, and even, alas, theology from end to end with labor keen. And here, poor fool, with all my love, I stand no wiser than before. That's true. That's true. You know what Jesus said? 
John 5, starting in verse 39, you'll know it as soon as I start it. You diligently study the scriptures because you think in them you're going to possess eternal life. The more scriptures I've got, the better a Christian I am. I am not downing... He was not downing learning scripture. But what was the problem? Learning the scripture was cut from the moorings of God, of developing a relationship with God. I love that hymn that we, well, we don't sing it here, but I've sung it before. Ancient words, he said, long preserved. And he said, changing you, changing me. The Bible is not an intellectual exercise. The Bible is about changing people. It's about affecting lives. It's about, it's about this guy. When I was real small, that I knew by reputation, but not only that, I had seen the man. I had seen how he treated other people. He was just the harshest, cruelest, just, just obnoxious, sandpapery guy you've ever seen. And someone started studying with him. And he was so bristly and he thought he was better than everybody else. But it it was a God thing. It was a God thing. God worked on his heart. And I cannot tell you. I've never seen a congregation stop singing in the middle of an invitation song. Never. Except that day. He walked up the aisle. And as people started seeing him, they stopped singing. It was, it was incredible. I'd never seen it before. Everybody started crying. What he had learned changed his life. He was a different person from that day forward. He wasn't perfect, but he was a different... People could see a difference. And that's what he's talking about. It's not that education is wrong. It's that when when you cut it loose from God, how do you use education? What kind of education are you going to do? How are you going to evaluate education? i got to tell you something. I've been in some classes that are just nuts. Some of the things people have said in classes. And if I had not had those moorings, they were not leading me to God. They were leading me as far away from God as possible. Without God as the standard, I cannot... Not discern what's going on. You know, Acts, Acts 17, around 2021, somewhere around there, it's got a little footnote there. It's got a little footnote, and what does Luke say? Uh, you know, the Athenians and uh, the foreigners, uh, uh, they spend all their time, you know, standing around talking about, listening to the newest ideas. It's not about that. 
It's not about that. It's about a change. Number two, the second thing people run toward, Ecclesiastes 2.1, I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure, the good life, to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolishness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly. Listen to this. My mind still guiding me with knowledge and wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for men to do under the heaven during the few days of his life. I denied my... Oh, ver, oh excuse me. I, I, down to verse 10. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. The good life. Don't you get the, in your mind that he is some kind of a wino in a, in a ditch somewhere. He's talking about the good life. He's talking about the best entertainments, the best everything. Have you, have you ever heard, uh, seen the uh, musical Fiddler on the Roof? You know, Tevia comes out and sings, If I Were a Rich Man. And he talks about that. He, you know, he's going to have this house. And he's going to have a wife with a proper double chin. Because she can't work. Because if she's working, that means you're not rich. So she can't work. She's, she's got to have a double chin. And he's going to build this house, and it's got one long staircase just going up and one even longer coming down and one more leading nowhere just for show. The good life. The good life. If I were a rich man, some of y'all are old enough to remember Robin Leach's Champagne Dreams and Caviar wishes, you know, and the, uh, the, the lives of the rich and famous kind of thing. And he'd take you on all this tour and all this stuff, and I'm sitting there going, you know, if that bathtub, I could buy my, uh, I could buy a house with that bathtub they got in there and those fixtures. You know, it's just incredible. At one time, Switzerland per capita had the highest um, just wealth. Just wealth. Did you know at the same time it also had the highest suicide rates? People who bring in... And there's nothing wrong with having stuff. I'm not saying that. I'm saying t cut from the moorings of God. Stuff is not going to lead us to wholeness. It's not. It's not. Proverbs 23, starting in verse 4. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches and they're gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off uh, to the sky like a bird. Luke 16. Shrewd manager. Jesus talked about... I want you to look at how he's used his worldly wealth for worldly purposes. And he starts saying, I wish my people, my followers, would use their worth, worldly wealth for heavenly purposes. Why can't we do that? Why can't we do that? Did I say you can't go on a vacation? Absolutely not. That's ludicrous. 
You have time. Enjoy the things God gives you. But understand the restraint He provides. Understand that, that if you go after that, seeking something to fill your life, you will be miserable. The people who have the most stuff are usually quite miserable. And I am not advocating for poverty. There's nothing, nothing here about advocating for poverty. But you also think about this. They did a study several years ago, and they looked at how much a bride spends on a wedding. And uh, bride and groom, I don't, I'm not picking on the woman here. The bride and groom, how much their wedding cost. And they looked at the correlations between that and how long they stayed together. And the more that was spent on the wedding, the faster they divorced. It was incredible. If I can just have this, if I can just have this, I'll be happy. No, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen if we, if we take it out of where God wants it to be. Uh, Luke 12, Luke 12 around 13 starts this little thing about this guy coming and saying, you make, make him share with me. And what did Jesus say? He, he says, no, 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 no. Who appointed me arbiter uh, with you? Verse 15, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. It had nothing to do with that. It had nothing to do with that giving you wholeness. And you, you, you talk about the guy that, you know, tore down his barns and built bigger barns, and he ends up by saying, uh, this is what happens to those who store things up for themselves rather than who are rich toward God. That's what happens. That's what happens. How do I work to earn wealth? And once I get wealth, how do I use that wealth? If I, if I detach from God, if I detach from God, and, and I didn't say this at the beginning, Solomon is looking at life like a cardboard uh, cutout. Okay? This is the educated man. He's a cardboard cutout because there is no substance to him because he is away from God. Here's the good life man. You know, you've seen the billboards. The people who are drunk as a skunk but are just as happy as can be and you sit there and go, I wish I was that happy. I wish I could laugh and all that. The sad part about it is, look at the back of the billboard. Look at the dust and the mold and all that stuff. That's what the lives are for people who chase after that. There's no substance. It's just, it's just a cardboard cutout. The third cardboard cutout we look for, man, this is not good. Ecclesiastes 2.4 I undertook great projects. Accomplishment. I mean, how many of us wouldn't love a trophy? How many of us wouldn't love a plaque that says, you know... You, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Wouldn't you love it? I mean, I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made 
gardens and parks. I planted all kinds of fruit trees. I made reservoirs going down. I also owned uh, herds and flocks. I had massed silver and gold. I acquired men and women singers and a harem. There's that pleasure thing coming back in there again. I don't know where it would be a pleasure, but anyway, that's just another story. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me, and all this my wisdom stayed with me. He was thinking through what advantage this has to the eternity in his heart. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work. And this is the reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Man, this, this whole lesson is just trampling on me. I, you, I don't know if it's hitting you at all. I, 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 I know what a workaholic is. I've seen a workaholic. I, I take a look in the mirror sometimes. We're always after bigger and more and better you know, during the, the productions of The Lord of the Rings, they were, making, they were making multiple movies at the same time, you know. And, and the, the, the director of that kept saying, you know, there is such pressure here because every, every new movie has to be bigger and better. It's got to be bigger and better. And don't think it doesn't, doesn't go into everything in your life. You, go, you watch the Olympics. Used to... One axle, right? Single axle. And then a double axle. And then somebody came up with a triple axle. Blew everybody away. Now a triple axle, whatever. Let's do a quad. I don't know what they're going to do with a five because they're going to have to get some height to do that. Or they're going to have to be spinning really fast. I'll tell you one of these days about my quad it was not good. I did it several years ago, and I really did it. I really, well, I got, I got to a triple before I hit the wall. But anyway, um, the crazy thing about it is, someone, someone tell me who said this. Success is the sole earthly judge of right and wrong. Success is the sole earthly judge of right and wrong. Hitler. Hitler said that. It's in his little book, Mein Kampf. God doesn't ask us to be successful. He doesn't call us that way. He calls us to be faithful. He calls us to be a servant of all. And one of the craziest verses I've ever seen really tells me how to use the things that we do. And it's Matthew 5, verse 6. And you know it. You know, excuse me, 16. 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they can see your good deeds, good works, and glorify God. Praise God in heaven. Somebody says, well, you know, I don't want anybody seeing anything that I'm doing. Well, it depends. 
Jesus just said, you can let your light shine. You can let your example be known. Well, I can't, you know, I'm not a CEO. I'm just a, you know, I'm on a line. But people are watching you. Well, you know, I'm just, I'm older, I'm retired, I'm just at home. People are watching you. Do you know what kind of an example you can be, what kind of an encouragement you can be if you walk up to a a, a teller at Walmart and you're nice? They'll look at you like that's unusual. They don't always get nice. You go to Kroger, you go to any kind of store, you, you you just be a Christian wherever you are. You say, well, I don't have trophies. I don't have uh, big, big plaques and all that. If you're rich toward God, you've got stuff they will never have. You've got stuff in heaven. Let your accomplishments point others to God. But sometimes we cut that mooring again. And God is drifting that way, or actually God is stable and we're drifting away. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord, because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Do you know what the meaning of the word vain is here? Empty. Empty. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, well, I've got to uh, uh, be at the gospel meeting. That's the Lord's work. Well, it is. I've got to be there. You go to Walmart. You act like a Christian should act. And you're doing the work of God. You're at home and a baby's crying and you're changing diapers and you're talking to the little baby and you're trying to talk in a calming voice and you're talking about God and all the wonderful things about God and how God loves you and about how God brought you into our family. You are doing the work of the Lord. And don't let anyone tell you different. We have gotten so just crooked and sideways about what it is that pleases God. God wants us to be. He doesn't want us to just say. He doesn't want us to just do. He wants us to be something. He wants us to be something that that causes people to sit there and go, there's something different about him. There's something different about her. I don't see that very often. It tells me what I need to accomplish. It tells me how to deal with my accomplishments. So you know where I'm going with all this. We jump over to chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. I've just got a couple minutes. Uh, Verse 10. The teacher searched to find just the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads 
They're collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them, of making many books, there's no end, and much study wearies the body. Now all that's been heard, here's the conclusion to the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. My version says, for this is the whole duty of man. But in my version, you have a little brackets there that says the word duty is actually not in the text. So let's read it without that word and see what we come up with. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole of man. This is wholeness. Fearing God and keeping His commandments helps me understand what I need to do with education, what I need to do with any good life I have, what I need to do with any accomplishments that I might gain. Very quickly, my relationship with God brings meaning and purpose to what we learn, what we have, and what we do by, number one, making me aware of the dangers of looking for earthly substitutes. Number two, helping me develop a self-discipline. Show constraint. Don't chase after this thinking that this is going to be your Savior. God is your Savior. And number three, it puts things in perspective. It puts things in perspective. It's so funny that all the things that I think are so, so important in my life, you know, all the classes I need to teach and all the, all the people I need to meet and shake hands with and, and rub elbows with and all that stuff, all these things, you know, a quick visit to a hospital with someone who is in critical care, sitting with someone whose spouse or whatever has just died, puts things back in perspective very quickly about what's important. Ultimately, really important. God does that. Fear God. Keep His commandments. And it'll keep everything in a balance of who we need to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the day. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for being our God. And thank you for so much for the marvelous guidance that you provide for us. Help us to be what you want us to be. And help us stop looking for earthly substitutes. Because you placed eternity in our hearts knowing that it could be only be filled with you and help us to find wholeness in you because that's the only place. Help us to be mindful of those who are hurting right now. 
Help us to be mindful of those who need your guidance, your support. And help us to be mindful of those who are walking in this world empty and looking for wholeness. And let us, by the things we say and do, point to you as our wholeness and our eternity filler. In Jesus' name, amen.